Hello and welcome to Land With Us. Today in the show, Lionel Yeo. Good, good day, sir. Uh, good day to you. Nice to be on the show. Yeah, nice to see an authentic uh, glass of scotch in your hand there. Good export. <laughs> Fantastic product. I have to thank everybody for uh, you, Scots, for uh, inventing this product, especially in COVID. So smooth. <laughs> so how did we come to know each other? Uh, well, I was going through my LinkedIn feed one day and I actually saw a post that uh, you made, uh, I think it was regarding uh, moving out of the cloud um, for Firebase. And uh, this was uh, in response to the uh, some of the news that was coming out of the stateside. Uh, I think you'll be quite familiar where they, uh, AWS cut off the server of uh, Parler and um, you were looking for alternatives out of the cloud. And um, I was when I saw that, I was exactly what a lot of people were actually very quietly uh, writing to me, asking me about, you know, what are the options out of that? And I said, you know, I think this guy really reflects what a lot of us in the tech community are thinking about. Like, how do we get out of this over-reliance on cloud providers? And uh, I just had to reach out to you and say, you look, that was a, um, you know, something that was in the back of all our minds. You just said it, you know? That's so, quite often yeah. what I do when I'm, I'm not really employed by any of those big companies, so I can just say what I want pretty much. They might not come on the podcast again, but, you know, they can if they want. Yeah, but I think it's it's a important topic that um, we, that has to be discussed. And uh, I mean, this as I was just saying uh, before this, um, if you did evict somebody out of their property, even if you owned it and you were renting it out, you would have to go to court. You would have to take some time. You couldn't just uh, lock somebody out of a rental property that you own just because of any reason. You know, there was some. Uh, what do you call it, legal uh, systems or, or procedures. But in the world of tech, I mean, this is where they literally tr- uh, lock the door, change the locks and throw, out, throw you out on the day itself. And you look at Parler, um, there you go, you know. So, I mean, I, whichever side, it doesn't really matter, my feeling, but this is a little bit um, something that uh, uh, we need to really talk about and actually plan for, especially if you are a tech lead or you are in the DevOps business. We work so much, we spend so much time talking about reliability of the hosting systems and, uh, you know, there's there's redundancy backups and all that stuff, but nobody uh, thinks about this kind of stuff. So I thought that was something that we should really look at, especially now. Yeah, in their terms and conditions, they should claim like we have 99.999% uptime or 0% uptime if you disagree with their political agenda. <laughs> yeah, and you don't even get a chance to uh, discuss this with them. You know, it's a one-way thing. You know, if they said, look, we're not happy with you, we're going to review this in 30 days, then at least you have some sort of uh, way to negotiate or discuss this. I mean, it might not even be your fault. Mm-hmm. But they like this is like coming back one day and uh, the locks are changed. And um, I think we all have to look at, you know, if this is the case, where else are you going to stay that night, you know? <laughs> so yeah. that was what a lot of people were asking me. What are is my alternatives besides just the cloud providers? How much notice were Parla given? I think zero. They, cut, they actually seem to have cut it 
and then gave notice. You know, they saw the way that uh, the Twitter was done. And um, I mean, it blindsided everybody. They, in fact, I read some of the the articles. And I'm not look. I'm not. I haven't done so much research in this area, but they said that there was not even any intention that they they were going down the wrong place. So it, it, it blindsided them. You know, it was out of uh, left field. So one of the things that you saw there. Yep. Yep. So one of the things that you mentioned in the LinkedIn post was that other tech needs, other tech leads are coming to you terrify. Can you, can you expand on that? Yeah. Um, because I am, even from the beginning, I've been quite wary about full using uh, the platforms, the PAS, PAS, uh-huh. and uh, try to make my own solutions or look at uh, alternatives. So a lot of these guys, um, when they're building the company, they just use all the the services that are available because it's cheap and it's available and the brands are very big. And uh, they haven't actually gone down the uh, open source route or looking at these kind of alternatives. Um, it's kind of like uh, most people just, the minute they got gone onto Gmail and they never found out whether there's any alternative and then now they will, they're looking at and say, gee, man, if Gmail shuts down, what, what happens, you know, or <laughs> what happens to my, you know, like it, you got to really think about it because not only is your emails there, your contacts, your everything's there. Mm-hmm. And you literally disappear, like how Twitter disappear off the side of the earth. Mm-hmm. No one knows how to contact you anymore. And that's that's pretty, uh, you know, it's like, there's no way to reach out. So these are alternatives and people started reaching out and, and emailing me. I have a YouTube uh, channel and they, they really asked like the question, like what are the, these alternatives? And uh, that's why I thought I should do a video on it. And I thought we should at least discuss alternatives as part of a, um, responsible tech lead or, or system architecture because we talk so much about cybersecurity, right? We talk so much about downtime and people, you know, oh my goodness, my servers are getting fried. What about, you know, platform risks? What about being kicked out of your subscription service? These are things that have to be discussed. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'll find it very easy now to recommend to clients to use AWS. I mean, I was planning to start to learn again. I'm using Google Cloud at the moment. Um, I use it with some of my clients, but uh, I just have no desire now to go and relearn some AWS stuff just by what they've done. It's like, well, I'd rather go learn PHP. Yeah, um, like I use mostly, for even my clients, I moved some of them from AWS, mainly because of the over-reliance, okay? I I noticed uh, more junior people just subscribing for every service. Um, You know, it's kind of like, you know, not you not even knowing how to. Uh, that what I told some of my clients, right? It's like you uh, being kicked out of uh, always using a restaurant, always ordering, and then one day you're banned from the restaurants, and you go home and you learn that you don't even own a microwave. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't even have a fridge. And that's exactly what uh, a lot of these guys have been doing. They're so over reliant on the SaaS, like, like they reach into the bag and pull out the next. SaaS product to solve every single problem that when time comes for you to actually make something on your own uh, and you know we have to look at that they, they don't have those skills they never even considered it 
Like some people, uh, a good example I said, like is the, uh, G Suite, right? They don't even know what the other provider of email is. So same thing with AWS. You ask any corporate guy, any enterprise guy, and even tell you who's outside the big four, <laughs> who else is there? Even though there's thousands of these guys, you know, Lino, Digital Ocean thing, but they don't know these guys. They don't even know Rackspace. So uh, it's very interesting. I think at least a lot of them are starting to ask the question, what are my alternatives, you know? Yeah, I mean, so PHP 8, it's getting to more look, look more like JavaScript. Uh, it's got more yeah. sort of condensed uh, syntax. Uh, PHP is continuing uh, the improvements since 7. Uh, I think it's come up uh, previously... Uh, there was what a lot of people don't understand is that there was a little bit of a misstep with PHP six. That's why you don't hear a lot about it. But the community has rallied back, and PHP actually leads this whole idea of the open source um, uh, movement. That PHP is not backed by of the big uh, corporate guys. You know, they're not. It's not originated by any fan company. So it is in their interest to actually a big community adoption. So when PHP 8 comes up, right, this, this is a grassroots um, uh, motion. It's a grassroots campaign. So uh, it's becoming much more uh, business-like. It's becoming much more uh, reliable. It's very, in fact, it's very reliable. And uh, the, the servers behind it, right, are just built for this kind of stuff. You know, so that's what I'm trying to tell these guys. What was it about PHP six that uh, went went wrong? Um, they what happened was that there was a bit the move to object oriented programming um, made it. They started to actually be a lot like Java, where it's all about object orientation. And um, what ha- happened is that a lot of the community didn't want to. If you do Java, you know that you can't do scripting in Java. You have to have an object for everything. And PHP has its roots, actually a scripting language. So that was not the right move. And a lot of people rejected that. Mm -hmm. That idea of being very object oriented. Uh, What PHP now is, is what Python, uh, the direction, which is scripting with object orientation. So that gives it that power. But keep and flex web. You don't need a very um, what do we call uh, IBM-y blue, uh, button-up kind of uh, style of coding when you're doing web technology. It's different from Java. So I can go I can deep, go really deep in there. But the idea is you want to take the power of the web, which is a single server, single stack that serves lots of people, rather than something like Java, which is a lot of devices and code that runs on many computers. So the reason that I use Google Cloud and particularly Firebase is that it comes with a lot of integrated features at the box. And um, so like, for example, it comes with Firebase comes with an authentication layer that, you know, has, you know, basic authentication. And, and then also if you want to authenticate with like other providers, it also has um, the security rules, very nice feature where you can specify um, rules based database inserts and reads based on other data within the database so it saves you having to do like server-side validation on on a lot of the the data that you ingest and so a lot of these features they save me a lot of time because i know what it's like to write 
backend code in PHP. You have to write the server side validation. You have to write the client side validation. You know, there was so, a, a long time ago there was a, a there's a quite a famous library called PHP Forms, but it actually generates the the client side validation. Yeah, to, you know, so. I, I think it's been a long time since you looked at PHP. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Now with the frameworks, like let me give you an example. I'm an expert of the E2 framework, but mm. Laravel is very popular. Authentication comes right out of the box. Right. It's all there. The rules are there. We use an MVC model system that handles all this stuff. You just code in the model. So this is and Laravel? I can access the database. This is both Laravel and E2. E2. Lar- they are all, they have a, yeah, E2. E2 is a much more corporatized version. Uh, mm-hmm. like, give me, I'll give you an example. Um, Laravel, they call their database object uh, eloquent. <laughs> and in E2, they call it active record. So uh, you can see where the, the, the one has such an artistic branding idea and the other one is so functional. You know, So um, I prefer that style of just um, being very uh, functional and being called active record, uh, calling things... Uh, with very boring names, and that's the idea behind E2. It's uh, it's different from Eloquent, Eloquent. Uh, sorry, yeah, Laravel, which comes from the the state side, right? So they're big into branding. Uh, they call their um, CLI, their command line interface, artisan, and then Yi calls their compi- command line um, Yi. <laughs> Uh-huh. So you can see that it's just called Yi. You type Yi and the command to generate code. So um, it's this is, but the point I'm trying to make is that uh, PHP has come a long way from where it is uh, previously. All these things like access control, security, uh, validation, they are all built into the frameworks these days. You can do it all from there. Okay. I'm skeptical, so but you know, don't, it's, it's good to know. I actually have an example on my YouTube channel where I say code like a pro uh-huh. and I actually do an example of uh, how I did um, a database access on the YouTube framework for a particular form and every it's all there, you know. So there are options besides relying on the, you got to understand the the community is the open source, not just PHP alone, has also evolved. They looked at what you guys have happened at the Firebase and they've integrated it into the solutions and they rolled out. Like you talk about integrations with third parties, the frameworks have them. People built plugins, they can access them much more faster than where it was. We are not in the days where, you know, I remember I was downloading hot scripts now it's all composer. These are like, you know, the same thing like NPM. It, the, the, the great thing about the open source, right, is that they are not standing still. We're not just sit, sitting there letting the big guys roll over us. They are learning. They're seeing, oh, that's a really good idea and incorporating it into the systems. So every one of these um, frameworks have thousands and thousands of developers who bring over great ideas and they keep evolving. That's why it is, you know, so much better and they've got just in time as well. I looked at the syntax in, in PHP 8. It's a complete other world from when the last time I did PHP. Yeah, it's, uh, as I said, they've become a lot more corporatized. I would say a lot more business uh, focus. Remember, PHP is a grassroots uh, 
uh, endeavor, right? It start, uh, it came from homepages of people. Before, we had these people making billions of dollars on the internet with companies. No no one ever you know, thought about it. Uh, you got to think before the time of Google. And what has happened is that the the... Uh, the, basically, the language has grown up with everybody. I mean, we need a business language. We need stability. We need things that, uh, you know, uh, are very reliable. And you can see the syntax, uh, uh, some ideas from Java, some ideas from uh, C Sharp, and a little bit from Python. Yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's like, I remember the day like where we never talked about testing in PHP. And these days, it's one of the top things, you know, how do we test the code? And then uh, security, right? Uh, you know, how do we hash our passwords? Now, the frameworks come with this stuff built in. So it's not like they're standing still. This is, as I said, this isn't your father's PHP. Interesting, interesting. I mean, I, I just yeah. all I care about. I mean, I'm old enough now that I don't really care about being like um, religious when it comes to like a, a language. Or, you know, um, I, I just want to get the job done, and you know, I don't really. If if PHP allows me to do what I can do in Node.js with this minute with better results, then I would make my next full stack app in php um but i guess the biggest competitor to php would be something like node.js which is also open source exactly uh yes well one i would say i was looking at node.js right and then um the what happened is that it was around php when php 6 came out and stumbled and i started looking at node.js and said hey that is the alternative it's faster it's got JavaScript on it. And then the PHP community rallied up with seven. The speed is so much faster. You know, uh, the direction became clear that PHP wasn't going anywhere. It was, you know, not going to die at six. And uh, now you see eight actually much, actually challenging the speed of Node.js. PHP incorporating a lot of uh, things like now validation checks and, uh, you know, cleaner syntax. So um, what is important in the language is whether it's involving and whether the idea uh, the, that they're listening to the community. And I think that's the most important. That's what I feel is very important. Like uh, there's always product come out and have good ideas uh, and there's no, no, um, I'm not stabbing at, at, at any other language. Like everybody always evolves and good ideas for the next uh, next problem that another language has. But if a language continues to evolve, right, you can you can still uh, the future in that language. And I think now that we've seen this, there's going to be a more bigger switch to people actually sticking with open source and alternatives against their their platforms. Because there's been there's too much over reliance, I think these days on platforms. Uh, I was the CTO of a company, and my engineers would just sign up services off AWS without even bothering to code. They would, you know, like image compression things like that, right? They'd just reach out for the 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 latest service or Lambda function or whatever it is, and they wouldn't even think like, oh, could we actually code? one of these things ourselves. And yeah. now people, the PHP community will never think like that. They will say, okay, let's see if we can, if there's something available. If not, then we'll try to get it outside. You know, we'll get a service or, you know, we'll use, um, you know, one of these Twilio's or, or, or Nixmo's. But it, they'll usually try to, to do bring it in-house and in, in-source it. 
So that that's a big change in there. You see, most PHP, like, uh, you know, they they always trying to keep things within that that stack. This is a good good area to think about. It's sort of like uh, vanilla JavaScript versus frameworks. If you can imagine doing it like open source, then you've got the sort of vanilla JavaScript that's it's portable because you can use it. You don't have to keep re- redoing it if you migrate a framework. Whereas you know if just if you'd written something in like Adobe Flash or or like uh, Angular JS, you're going to have to basically spend the same money to rewrite it once the framework's update. Whereas if you had something that was like bare bones vanilla JavaScript, it's it's always valid. You know so. Yeah, there's a big move to, uh, I mean, getting the right amount of uh, tools. So one good example, I always talk to people, especially more junior tech leads, is it's like, um, what do you call, using a bazooka to kill an ant. That's my, my example. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can overuse the amount of tools for the task that you're using for. You, you, reach so, like you spend so much time just to kill the ant. Could you use some, can you be a bit more minimalistic? I'm not asking you to go first principle and reinvent the wheel, but you don't have to use something so big. So I see there's over-reliance on um, using SaaS, grabbing all these things from outside where you could go a couple of layers less and then that will be very portable. Like, like you said, like JavaScript, do you really need to go so wide about the, the the framework like Angular, like the whole thing just to do a simple application? That's a good question. And the less complex your code is, the more portable it is to other platforms. So I, I was just saying like, if you use all the tools at AWS, be stuck with AWS. Whereas if you stayed with a simple VPN, uh, sorry, a VPS, a private server, you can move that to Linode, DigitalOcean, 100 different service providers around the world without uh, actually, without too much difficulty. But if you're going to use services, you're going to use things that only they have, it makes it a lot more difficult to move around and then you become beholden. Yeah, I wonder if it's they're getting so much traction because people with sort of less skills, the barrier to entry is less by using these platforms versus rolling your own. Yeah, uh, well, that's one of the first points that I made in the video. You got to change your mindset, right? I mean, uh, it's so easy to go to McDonald's and pick up a hamburger and cheese, right? You know, it's so easy. <laughs> you want to cook, you got to go to a shop, buy this, do this, do that. But in the long run, right, you're going to be, what happens if there's no McDonald's? What happens if you want vegan option? What do you have? You know, you are always reliant on these guys. So, you might have to make a little bit of investment upfront to learn how to cook, to buy a microwave, buy a cooker, but it's going to pay off long-term uh, down the road. You're going to own your own source code. You're going to be able to pull out features. You don't have to wait for other people to come out and you don't have to wait for their policy. Now, I'm not, I mean, I don't care which way the policy goes. I just don't think it's a good idea to be beholden to somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I was yeah, talking. Just, to, I was talking to someone the other day, and he was saying that he thinks like things like Salesforce, you know, ERPs are going to make developers out of a job because they basically do a lot of the work for developers now. Uh, that's this, exactly the same point about restaurants, right? Like the restaurant's going to make home cooking out of a job, <laughs> but yeah. you know that here's the the point. Um, you you've gonna it's a good idea to have a nice spread of portfolio. Like you diversify, learn how to cook some of it yourself, just in 
in case, just in case Salesforce doesn't have what you want, just in case Salesforce raises the price 400%, just in case something like that, you know, you just need to have that. So I'm not telling people don't use SaaS. I'm not telling them. I'm just saying, let's look at options and it's a good idea to know how to cook yourself. Mm. And companies should look at that. I, I don't understand why we can think about it in cybersecurity and, you know, having your own stuff. But look, look around the whole world right now, right? Look at... Uh, you know, Huawei, who's been banned off the Android platform or the chips. Look at the the parlor stuff. Look at, you know, things happen every single day. And it's not, it's not, uh, it's prudent that you know how to do things in-house as well. It's, it's ridiculous that some of these companies just have people integrating APIs all the time. <laughs> what if you have no API to integrate? You've been, you know, pushed out. Mm-hmm. I think people like to use cloud also because they, they don't know how to do security well. I mean, I... When I first started using PHP, I used some framework that did some uh, encrypting of the password and doing a salt as well on the password. <clears throat> but um, it was it was uh, it was relatively simple. But I mean, security is just something that's really hard to do. And you say, okay, I'll just I just trust Firebase or Amazon can handle handle security for me, and I won't have won't be responsible if something goes wrong on, on my own custom. That's role. true. Uh, it's true, but again, same thing. It's easy to go and buy a hamburger, but it's hard to know how to cook it yourself. Um, I think uh, you, you got to treat this. That's why point one of what I was saying in the video is you got to change your mindset. Not just always the easiest solution, but what is the best long-term solution? Should you just build some capability in-house? And uh, I can tell you, first of foremost, security as is one of the things that the open source community has really pulled up their, their bootstraps on. Understand that a lot of people, um, you got to understand that the devs weren't that big on security way early and enterprise caught up on the cloud. But now you talk to anybody in the PHP community and security is one of the top things that they're talking about, right? And these days I laugh at, at uh, anyone saying, you know, SQLs in, in the framework. You know, we, we've covered that eight years ago, right? And we've got, we do ORMs that protect from this kind of stuff. This is a joke that you think you can even uh, SQL inject in a, in a PHP framework in 20, I think 2010, it was already protected. But, um, you know, that post-traumatic stress is still in their, their mind. Um, as I said, these guys are not standing still about these issues. I mean, the cool thing about the cloud is like you'll go to something like Firebase and you'll do like Firebase in it and then you'll basically do Firebase deploy and that will set up an HTTPS for you and, and CDN and all that stuff. And that's all stuff that takes, you know, a lot of experience to know how to do, to do correctly. Yeah, that I, I agree. one The easiness of fast food or cloud is definitely one of the benefits. And of course, the other thing in the mindset is the cost. As you know, a lot of these companies will do loss leadership. They will have a product that's low. They will cut your integration in there and then the cost will be going up after that. So again, it's, I bring back to the example of, do you want to learn how to cook and have some capability or you want to always eat out? There are always pros and cons on either side. Um, the eating out guys make it as simple as possible. If you've been to McDonald's, you've been to fast food, you can drive by, you can, you know, you can press it. They make it as full as possible for the cookie cutter uh, product. Uh, I think it's important that we just have a blend of them both and also try not to over rely on fast food and over rely on cloud service providers. Yeah. I mean, so you, you say, you, okay, can, okay. Yeah, even look at look, even look at even something like Netlify, which basically you give them a, a GitHub repository and it will then 
host your stuff statically over CDN and 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 just super fast. It's just like I think it also does HTTPS uh, at the box for free as well. So I don't know. I don't know how they manage it. Uh, look, actually, if you study some of it, like I deploy my own stuff nowadays. I I use a Git script that took me about a week to learn how to put together. But now I don't have to pay any service provider to deploy my thing. I do uh, rsync on it, and it you know it's it does. They essentially just like what a restaurant does is do what you should be doing, and then they do it much more faster and cheaper. It's uh, there are now a lot of tools to help you do this, but again, the restaurant's job is to make it so simple that you don't even think about cooking. Um, you can use some of these tools, say, if you want to use SMS or you want to have, um, you know, Nexmo do it. I think it's, you know, I probably wouldn't be setting up an SMS server myself, but um, I would keep the core part of the, the code probably in-house just to keep it safe. Or if you're dealing with databases, uh, I mean, open source, if you're using MariaDB, they've got all these things set up for you. You just have to get your hands a little bit dirty. So that's, I think, one of the key points. It's important to actually know a little bit. Um, I think one of your questions was the cloud server about being a real-time database. And uh, I think I offered a solution either with PHP with Swole or you can do a Node.js style uh, integration of that to make it real-time. But it's still more work than the the Firebase. I agree 100% with that. Yeah, the Firebase is just, I mean, I don't know if any PHP framework has this data this database rules thing where you're like, I don't know how much experience you have Firebase, but basically you can say this field is only read-only or write access based on some other query of what's in the database. And it's so powerful because then you just, the, the user is, uh, the data is sort of validated by who's authenticated. Um, and, it, and it's so, so mad. Yeah. Like the magic, you know, the use user management, right. Um, on a code side, it takes a little bit more effort than that because they, they try to be as um, customizable as possible on a code level. It's not a click and play as uh, Firebase, uh, but these things are there for you to have different people with different levels of usage. If, if uh, Actually, if you look at MySQL, right, they have actually have those options. You create users, read, write, update, admin level and all that, but it's not as user friendly. <laughs> yeah. And the worst thing, right? I hate this because hardcore coders are, oh, you should learn SQL. Oh, you should, you should, uh, you know, bleed your knuckles in there. You know, you're not, you're not a real database backend if you can't do SQL. And they are losing uh, these guys who, like, you know, they just go to cloud providers, right? We don't want to even care. So, um, they're, the one layer on top of that, the frameworks are making it easier to do the read, write, and the access control. Um, the cloud guys, of course, they really excel in making things easy. They are paid service. They really work on making things as simple as possible mm-hmm. and click through. They, they, they serve the the probably the majority of the users percent. So what I'm trying to tell to the users is why not just try it? Don't, it's not as hard as uh, it is. And it's definitely improving every day. Like uh, I think we in the programming community, we realize not to push this difficulty thing. Like I tell my devs, like, look, if you want to use a, a, a ORM and use my uh, user framework, I don't care if you know SQL or not. I 
honestly, I don't think you're even going to use it. But some old school guys, right, they would really insist on you like, oh, you're not a real programmer if you don't know, uh, you know, SQL. <laughs> and I think that's just stupid, you know. Well, then SQL, they'll just SQL go to the cloud. SQL is always going to be a first class citizen. I mean, Google have their various SQL flavors where they have sort of some sort of standardized SQL that's standardized. Yeah, but you look at SQL, right? To do the queries and to insert, like I know it kills a lot of junior developers. That's why they move to the front end. But uh, you compare that with your Firebase, which is so easy. And Firebase was one of the first guys with no SQL. You notice that they have a JSON-style database. Yeah. And uh, because SQL was just such a pain, it was the stupid joining tables was just, uh, you know, it was so hardcore. So <laughs> 19, you know, you know, like, oh, you have to join the damn table with many to many relationships and all that kind of stuff. Inner, with, inner, you know, inner, inner, and inner queries that. that do queries. Inner, you know, inner joins. No, no, not like inner joins. Like joins, what the hell? Sub-queries within the queries. But yeah, exactly. I mean, what the <laughs> hell is this stuff? This shit, right? And th- that's why I missed. Like, let me let me get out to some of your your users. You guys are gonna get top notch stuff from the tech lead. The difference between NoSQL and SQL is about queries. Okay, it's about joints and queries. NoSQL has no joints because the tables are all stuck together. That's a that bad was thing. a big falling. That, the joints were the big weakness of SQL because everything's in the table, right? If you wanted your data across many them. And joints cost so much trouble. They're so slow. You know, you have, let's say, four tables tied up one together with keys. And it's so slow. And that's why no SQL came out. I mean, that's when MongoDB is, a, you know, $400 stock today because, you know, some people just don't want to do SQL. <laughs> there you go. Dang, I need to check that <laughs> stock market. Is that really a stock, a publicly traded company? MongoDB. I, I, I go on Mongo. It's, you look, I could have bought it for like 40 bucks Mongo. and it's 400 oh, bucks. Dang, it's Mongo. a stock. 360 bucks. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Nico. What do you Jeez. think? People who said screw SQL and you're now worth billions of dollars. You know? Market cap 22 <laughs> billion. Yeah. For what? For this what? thing I you know. can download for ja- free, JavaScript you know? on the database. <laughs> Just using JavaScript to put your database together, and there you go. You know, for twenty-two billion dollars because people hate SQL. But that's the kind of stuff that you know uh, solutions are made of. They're very. It was a really reasonable idea. You know, like I hated joints. I think like. I would tell my dev guys, like, I want you to squeeze as many tables together as possible because joints are very inefficient. They're a very bad way of, of putting data together, but we had no alternative. Well, you, if you have a, a clustered index or a sort of um, prepared uh, query, it could be faster. Depends on your, yes, how but your you, index is clustered, you know? You, you couldn't do, as I said, the data had to be there and then you start solving around it, but no SQL would just solve that entirely, right? I mean, because some most, of the, some especially of the, in the web. Some of the code to, on some of the, some of the, mind the CP social network that I made, because like a lot of the data is, a lot of that data is duplicated just so I can, that's because I don't have joins. I don't want to do joins on the fly. So basically. Exactly. Yeah. You duplicate it. Yeah. That, so they can, you be on the same table. That's exactly the strategy that we came up with. And that was, I remember back in the day when I went to the CTO, that was like a heresy. That was like, you know, <laughs> doing the wrong thing. Like, how can I put the same data on multiple tables? Yeah. But I just went ahead and did it because, you know, I thought that was a stupid idea. But 
you know, the SQL guys would, would go nuts. It was like, you got duplicated data. Like, are you worried about updating across? And well, like, yeah, it, I'll build some code. It, it to still fix is that. kind of slow because basically what I have, I have like a user's table, which has this single source of truth. And then I store the user you know, IDs and other places. And then once I get, say, a list of users, I have to then recreate the database to get the latest data. And then I have to start caching things locally and that, which is much more complicated than if I just had joined. Exactly. That That's, as I said, the, 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 there was a, um, a path down a solution that wasn't, was okay, but wasn't really solving it. Um, that being said, again, the community, uh, they've woken up a little bit. The latest MySQL actually includes JSON uh, columns. So they, they've, they have this idea now that certain data you might not want to put in table format. Uh, the other flip side, of course, is table format makes things very easy to compare, much more fast if you're just doing your direct table stuff. Everything has got a plus and minus, and it's all about serving the users or understanding people's problem. Like if someone says, "Look, I hate freaking joins. It's slowing. I don't want to do. I don't want to go and look at the the graph, the the diagram of what an inner join looks like." <laughs> I remember that that was a killer, man. Like between what's a left join, right join, inner join. Yeah. Um, but, I, I th- but that I think was I, the problem. I only ever used inner join out in four years doing professional SQL development. Yeah, but one day when you go big big database, you find out, oh man, you should have used a left join because <laughs> you're doubling the data. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that makes people crazy. So that's why uh, NoSQL really took off. Especially now, uh, I see a lot of uh, devs, right? They just jump straight to NoSQL because they don't want to care about how data gets joined. They're not really too bothered about the efficiency of the tables. So no SQL solves that. Like uh, your case, Firebase, that's a no SQL down there. It's in the JSON format. They have optimized it. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised that the raw system behind it is probably a MongoDB or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised. And then the the interaction layer is probably Node.js or something very uh, with real-time behavior. But that's their job as the SaaS provider is to make it easy for you. That's what they do. Yeah, and then they they then then to make money from us. But I mean, if 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 my costs go up, that it's a lot, and that means I'm being successful. But uh, on the app, and then whatever I can migrate. Yeah, I mean that that's the mic. Uh, I mean that, that's what a lot of people think, right? Oh, I'll move after I I make it. But he, the problem is, you keep sprawling more and more services until it's so difficult to move. Uh, I've got. Uh, one of the biggest uh, requests again is usually people whose AWS bill has gone out of control, <laughs> and then I I look into it and I say, "Geez, guys, like, why do you subscribe to all this stuff? You know, it's like untangling wires. You have to go one by one and check, you know, whether you still use this stuff or not." And some of these developers, they left the company. They've spin up uh, virtual boxes all over the place. So. Uh, like I said, point two on my YouTube video was the Maria condo, the, your your stack all the time. To say, do you really need this? Does it spark joy? If it's not, get rid of it. You know, <laughs> stop stop sub- subscribing to more and more services. So, what do you do when you have clients that have Node developers and you they come to you and you say, well, I want to use PHP? Uh, not really. What happens is that um, sometimes you get a client that's not language specific. They come to you with a problem. Most clients, they're, they're business-centric, right? They come to you with the problem. Uh, like, for example, my problems, my AWS hosting is shockingly high. I've run out of credits, you know, that kind of stuff. Or um, the 
you know, we want to develop something as part of to, to plug into our main system without affecting it. PHP is just the tool that I select because that is what I think could solve the problem. Uh, you know, there, there are certain tools that are very good for things. Um, what I would probably be doing with PHP is like, if you don't want to spend too much on the cost and you want a, a reliable and your business is not going to be a trillion dollars, like it's not going to grow there. As I said, I, I laugh at some of these CEOs when they, they come and talk to me because they always think that startup is going to explode. And I can tell you, if everybody in Singapore used it, I would still be able to run on a single uh, virtual server here on PHP code. It is that efficient these days. Like this scalability thing, um, it's a bit of a, it's a bit ridiculous because like uh, very seldom companies use that kind of, of resources. You can always look at the code for ways to make it efficient. Um, of course, I would just require that you just get a bigger box and you'd be fine. So uh, do you have any Node experience yourself? Uh, Node, I looked at it, but the thing is that uh, PHP is so much uh, that you really just want to specialize in one area. Yeah. Like um, one thing I don't like about Node, I am, okay, I mean, on live podcast, I don't want to say it too much, but I don't particularly like JavaScript. I don't like brackets. Fine. You're forgetting. And I don't like, yeah. I don't like the TypeScript stuff and I don't like these guys who are compiling the thing. It makes me so annoyed. Like, can you just leave the language as it is? Like, why is there this TypeScript thing that pops in. So that part I have this issue with, look, I'm, I'm a Vue.js developer. I, I, that's my front end. I specialize in it, but I don't like complexity that, um, Node.js is an unblocking, the, you know, simultaneous kind of thing. Yeah. And that sometimes can add a lot of complexity to your application that you don't need. People just need a simple uh, application. They don't need real time. Some, some clients need that. So you don't really need that kind of complexity. Uh, for certain processory tool to use. Well, I mean, Node.js, no, the code has got a lot simpler with these new uh, syntactic sugars, like I say async await statement. So basically that is, uh, it's not basically, it took me ages to get my head around it. It allows, you know, async, async in this program has this sort of idea of promises. Well, a lot of code in JavaScript uses promises, but it basically creates a sort of callback nightmare so this exactly async, callback night yeah, this, this sort of async await st- stuff is sort of an extra keyword you use and it allows you to 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 write your code in a sort of synchronous way it got in the in the same way that php runs so this yeah. problem is you're exactly right callback hell is the problem so the the reason why Node.js came up was because you wanted to run real time function. I mean, JavaScript suffers from uh, this issue of what color is my function problem, right? Because everything's happening at the same time. So you got to order stuff. You say, okay, this goes first, then you wait. If that guy hasn't done it, yeah. uh, call you back. That kind of stuff, yeah. right? So that adds so much complexity. And then now they've come up and solved it with uh, the async thing the layer on top of it to say okay now we have to order things using that way yeah so <clears throat> as we i said if you need a real-time well. application we also yeah, exactly yeah. workers things yeah. that persist while the application so again 
uh, it depends on what your function is. If you've got a lot of, um, I, I describe this as uh, in one of my videos, the difference between a turn-based game and a real-time game. So something turn-based is chess, right? My turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. And something real-time would be like all those live games, uh, you know, Street Fighter or something where you, we are playing together. So you need to know in a real-time game, which thing can go first, the order of stuff, what has to wait, if something's taking some time, when to drag it out. Uh, so that's that additional compli- complexity. And there's nothing wrong with a turn-based system as long as you ob- you hit the objective. That being said, PHP again evolving, came up with Swole this year. I heard it's faster than uh, Node.js. How do you spell that? And we're back in it. S-W-O-O-L-E. Swole. Swole. Yeah, Swole. It's the... Fiber async programming framework thing, okay. Correct. So this allows PHP to run JS and have this real time uh, thing, and it runs in memory. Apparently, blazingly fast. I've I haven't had a big application to test it on. Uh, I've just run it internally to with a view application, and uh, so far pretty good. Um, as I said, P- PHP community isn't sitting back, and we understand that real time uh, is something that people are going to look at, especially for the app market. And uh, people are coming out with solutions for that. And yeah. I'm, I'm so surprised that it's so fast. And then with PHP 8 with Just-In-Time, that would be even better. So um, this is not... Uh, every language, as long as there's a vibrant community behind it, thinking about problems to solve and what the weaknesses are, I think you'll be pretty good. Uh, at the end of the day, it'll come down to the overall philosophy there mm-hmm. and uh, you know what whether people care about it. And that's that, to me, is the most important. See, when... Why can't PHP just use a dot for a you know operator instead of the dash arrow thing and arrow? Know, like I have to type twice. <laughs> yeah, to because get... the I I know okay, but look, the dot is for the bloody uh, concat string, okay? So <laughs> well, I, I like again, this usually comes from someone doing some coding somewhere else and say, why can't this be like this? Like I asked, why can't uh, variables in Python have a dollar sign there? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have to guess that whether that's a variable or not. So why can't why can't you add like there. constant to PHP? You know, <laughs> yeah, I, I I like to make a joke to everybody in the PHP. Like I I like the dollar sign variables because it reminds me why I'm actually doing this in the first place for the money. <laughs> 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 So let's not forget about that, right? So that's very, that's professional. So, I mean, look, there's some nuances there. You got to get around some of this, uh, the way some of the syntax is. Usually this all happens because someone's just looking for something. You know, they looked at the dot. We already used it for concat because it's a plus. So, uh, you know, they thought the arrow, it's not the end of the world, really. We got a double arrow thing. Like, so that part's not so bad. I think the weird part is that if a language doesn't want to take a features that you think you need, so let's say PHP said, I don't know, screw object-oriented programming, you know, we don't want to do that, It'd be a, a worry. But they've improved so much for the OO. This time around, they got construct. If you've seen eight, especially my video, they've got constructors that you don't have to define the um, the class variables anymore. It's it's taken that if you put it in the um, in the uh, in the class that you're going to use these things as a local variable. That's that's sensible programming. I like that one. Mm-hmm. 
um, they started naming variables in the function. Uh, that was a real pain for anyone out there for PHP developers because if you got a function with five different variables, you would have to remember the settings of all of them, especially if you got a lot of uh, defaults. So now if you only use two of them, you can just say define, okay, height, weight only. You don't have to bother about uh, the breadth. So th th that is, again, the community is looking at some of these things. It will never be equal to a particular language that someone likes, but it's important that people are evolving and, and that's all that you actually really want from a language. Mm -hmm. My mind's just gone yeah. blank there. I'm just like, <laughs> it sounds impressive. <laughs> a, a, bit, a little bit of data overload. I mean, if you go down that route, like I talk so much about this stuff that I, I you know. Oh yeah, uh, I, I remember now what I was going to say. So basically my last memories of PHP was like, I was doing like, I was using like vanilla PHP to access a database, MySQL server, all these connections and all these things. And then there was like two, uh, I heard from some like scene developer, there was, like, there was two other ways to, to write this sort of access. Something was like a PDO object or something. And then there was some oh, other like special yeah. way to write the database connection. And I was just like totally confused. It's like a first year developer, you know. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. You would have been in four. That would have been four. Yeah. PHP four. Yeah. Um, look, as I said, the first days of the, like, you know, the, in, PHP has been around since the 90s, okay? So we had uh, the MySQL, the PDO object, and basically PHP said, yep, we'll, you know, some people want to do PDO, we'll let them do PDO. Some people want to use MySQL, we'll let them use MySQL command line. Uh, some people say, no, that's not secure enough. I want MySQL LI, we let them do that. And what happened was uh, just a mess. Okay, like you could do anything and the code would work for everything uh, and there wasn't any convention. Um, and, but what you do is uh, go with the frameworks on top. The frameworks are the ones. Now, you, we don't, I don't even write SQL anymore. Like you just have a database object and that handles everything for you. You know, you go uh, just set the variables. You create new objects, say new person and you define using uh, the double, the arrow. <laughs> I, I know you hate the arrow, but say person name equals Nick. Person height equals 1.8. And you press That's it. You don't even bother about the SQL anymore. No, no need to check it. No way to be injected. It just, you know. So um, these, these frameworks have been written by really, really smart guys. And uh, yeah, that, that's like, that is the way to do it. Like it, I find it when I'm doing it, even many years uh, doing it, I see. I look at it and say, "Man, that's such a smart function." <laughs> like these guys make my job easy. So I'm just looking at swirly.co.uk. If I didn't know if it was a programming thing, I would think it's some some sort of property development. Yeah, Brand, branding really sucks in Swole, man. <laughs> Those guys. <laughs> look at it, we're good programmers. We're not good branding people. <laughs> so I'm looking at the syntax for uh, HTTP server and, uh, oh dear, I've got that arrow question mark PHP tag again. Like, That's a, the why? latest PHP 8 thing. That's the, the now operator. So if the object doesn't exist, no, no, then, this, this you is, know, this is the, the yeah. whole thing's wrapped in a, in a sort of small arrow question mark PHP tag. Uh, yeah, that's the standard PHP tag. Yeah, but if it's a PHP file, then why would you have to write? Because the history of PHP is you can embed it in HTML. Oh, okay, that's, that's only one of it. Okay, it's four <laughs> characters. Okay. I think we can live with that. <laughs> all right, just just one, once upon a time, you know, you could put HTML and PHP. 
you can do day, okay? I know all the hardcore coders, everybody else, the, the all these people are griping against me for, for this thing. But look, we can put PHP in HTML. But look, if you're coding it, it will just appear one time at the top, four characters. Uh-huh. It's not going to touch anything in the code. Nothing will be messed up. You don't even have to put it at the bottom anymore. What? Uh, you know, like, I think- that, did that confuse me as well? Uh, Back in the day. Some people were... Back in the day, you 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 had you thought that after PHP you're gonna write HTML. These days, we did never have to do it. So all the system looks is they look at it and they say, okay, if we see these four characters. It's a PHP file. That's it. You know. Okay. Okay. All the people that have never done PHP before are just absolutely horrified. All the people that have done PHP are, are laughing right now. <laughs> Yeah, all the all the hardcore guys are like, "What? Why? Why you do this?" Look, it's it's hereditary. Um, I actually like it because I like question mark what happened. You know, <laughs> what what is this question mark PHP? Look, I, like it's just weird. Uh, I I understand. You know, we don't put the Python file there. Uh, yeah, look. There are some benefits and some drawbacks to that thing. As I said, PHP is the one of the languages that you can stick code inside HTML. And <laughs> the other one is JavaScript uh, that gets stuck in there. But other languages, they can't do that. You know, you do Python, they can't do that. They have to go and use the stupid, um, what is it? Uh, the They use a template engine. Jinga. Jinga, yeah. Uh, Python has to jinga, and it's the same thing as well. It's um, it's a curly bracket and a hex. Okay, mm-hmm. so <laughs> gotta pick your evil somewhere. I'm going to put uh, the episode title as uh, Lionel Yeo, how to get off the big cloud, and underneath the episode somewhere, I'll put uh, less than question mark PHP as a summary of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you see the latest one for like if the now uh, thing is is question mark arrow. <laughs> question mark arrow this is solved that you know if you try the value of an object that doesn't exist it doesn't throw an error yeah, but <laughs> I understand the JavaScript has uh, has that it's, it's, it's question mark question mark no it's question mark dot so you could have used three characters which would have been even better <laughs> look we're running out of characters on the keyboard to use so you just gotta go with the flow okay Quite, quite we already cool. use the dot. The concat is the dot already. Okay, we we can't use the plus anymore to concat the 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 strings. So <laughs> we can't use that. So anyway, seriously, uh, I'm looking at the uh, code for this Swilly here in HTTP server, and you've got it's, it looks quite a bit like Node.js. You have this sort of um, exactly. dollar, dollar server equals new swall forward slash HTTP forward slash h server. That's an interesting naming convention. And then there's a server dot on start function and then you got it looks like a type dollar server server is it you know it's, it's really type dollar yeah okay first of all you see the dollar sign that's a variable okay yeah. just remember that okay just relax so when you see that that looks exactly like node.js using this on thing requests and that <laughs> so it's built around that that syntax down there and then you see the callback you see, on function, there's a callback there. So it's not that callbacks are evil, not that we hate callbacks. PHP looked at it and said, okay, some callbacks is a good idea. And that's what you see down there because you're launching the, uh, literally when you see that, like you're launching a server that lives continuously. 
that's what uh, the node server is. Where's the PHP fired up, does its job, and then dies. I never this saw one typing before. Oh, types. Uh, these days, we have types on, on PHP. What version did it start at? Uh, seven. It started in seven. <laughs> and what IDE do you use for PHP? Uh, I use Sublime. Okay. Mm. Um, I like it is because it's nice and fast. It's pretty clean. Uh, that to me, that's the most important. I don't like waiting, you know, three seconds for my ID to load. I, I want something like that goes up in half a second. So the last time I was doing my PHP, I basically had, uh, there was something called some, there was some, there was some free ID that came out that was like, I think it was Zen something, some PHP web. Oh. An engine is it? Oh man, there was some. There was something <laughs> like you yeah, got a free trial, and then I couldn't afford it back in the day to get the, the full version. It had some debugger built into it. Okay, the um, yeah, Zen is a really fat PHP framework. It's not like PHP hasn't stumbled along the way. Okay, twenty years old. <laughs> so Zen IDE was like as as shitty as Eclipse. So <laughs> that, that's that's the story. So you probably had one of those that took a while. It was probably built in Java, took a, a ages to load. You go, if you look at Sublime, so nice and fast. And these days we don't debug in the, the system anymore. We framework handle the debugging. So beautiful uh, display of where your error is and even highlights which comma that you put there, which line, what the problem mm-hmm. is, even some hints. So, like, it's come a long way. So, but this Zen IDE was was good because it sort of automatically knew how to for us for a university lever to set up like debugging because I was doing some kind of complicated stuff for a for a sort of neuroscience project database. But then, then once I, I couldn't afford to to actually buy the proper version, then I I spent like days trying to get this X debug thing to work. And eventually, I managed to like muck around with the PHP any and to to get this X debug to allow me to debug my files. Uh, yeah, that was, as I said, the li- d- debug as you go. But today, look, uh, I think Microsoft has, uh, I've just, I just slipped my mind. It's free. They made it free. Uh, very popular IDE. Well, I can't remember Visual, what Visual it is. Studio I, code. I, uh, VS Code. Yeah, Visual Studio. So VS yeah. Code is very good quality, very well maintained, has the debuggers all in there. Um so it's pretty quality, but when you mentioned the debugging as you code, right? But that slows the loading up process and that slows the, the speed. So when you are someone who works a lot with PHP, you don't usually make those kind of errors. So I rather have something much more lighter. But if you got problems and you can't remember, you just keep putting dot instead of arrow, then maybe you need to get that the other one. You know, well, I, would, I, would get, uh, I use WebStorm, so I would get PHP Charm. It's a, yeah, yeah, that's that. pretty good as well. Uh, look, the IDEs are so improved a lot. I, I still have the Notepad++ on my system as well. I enjoy it as well. And they've improved as well. They've got um, uh, what you call auto-completes and all that stuff. So I don't think anyone can really complain in 2020 about IDEs. And all this stuff is free. Like, uh, like even Sublime, the one I'm using... I know, look, I paid the $70 to help them out, but you don't have to. You just have to press that annoying button that says, do you want to pay? And say no. And it's in, you know. <laughs> but I try to help really out, good, you know, right? you other do people. That, right? <laughs> Especially when you use the shopping cart, how much do you want to pay? Zero. <laughs> and then you use like a whole checkout <laughs> system, you know. You, you can invoice for zero pounds, feel like a right Scottish cheap. <laughs> 
Exactly. So you, you just have to be very thick skin and keep pressing. No, I don't want to pay you for the work that you've done. I don't think you're worth <laughs> it and it's fine. But for us who are professional, look, I, I think the sublime guys need to pay their rent and stuff. So, you know, I sent 70 bucks for all the IDs that we have over here. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. So like, what has there been any like comparisons like between Ruby and PHP for... I mean, I guess everything you can do with everything, but comparisons are nice. Yeah. Uh, Ruby, uh, like I said, I I was the CTO of a company that used Ruby and Ruby was the, um, the the history is like this. Ruby was the evolution of PHP. They actually were very popular because of Ruby on Rails. You heard of Rails, right? So Rails is the MVC system and that sped development incredibly fast. And that is the why Ruby is so popular. This it's the same syntax, almost the same, um, but Rails is what accelerated. But then again, PHP evolved, and all these frameworks like Laravel came out, and then there wasn't any point going to Ruby. So um, it, again, the, you see this technology story, right? A new guy comes in with new features, PHP adopts it. Uh, continues, sometimes does it a little bit better, and then there's no point actually shifting out. You know, it's, it's happened many, many times What's before. paying for all this it's, innovation? Uh, I think generally the grassroots, a lot of PHP guys, uh, one point about PHP, again, is this whole idea of not being associated with the big companies. So you see a lot of dev shops, a lot of people actually wanting to create an alternative <laughs> So it's like the Firefox of the browser world. These guys want to have some alternatives. And outside the US, a lot of these guys are very passionate about making that alternative. Like it's always been the people's language about like, you know, improving and all that stuff. Like there's some money being made, some of the big companies, but I think uh, generally like it's all very marginal. Like even the Vue.js guy, right? I think Evan, he's maybe getting the, the foundation is giving him 18,000 a month to to work on Vue.js. And that's all from <coughs> donations, right? He's a formal Googler. I'm sure he could have been making, you know, 50 grand a month, but he just wants to go out and make a better framework, a better JavaScript framework. So, I mean, in this way, right, software is really one of the best places where, you know, they really make stuff free, socialized, uh, socialized, Oh, mm. just go on GitHub. Top free, but you want quality? Yeah, a bit. Maintenance is a bit of an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <sighs> lots. The stuff. world's changing, mate. That's. I think. I think. Hopefully, uh, your company will have to hire more people. But the amount of demand, um, people leaving these big cloud providers because certainly they've they've shot themselves in the foot in terms of like demand for these these cloud platforms you know maybe they just don't care maybe they just love their well, political uh, wokeness uh, you seen the Twitter stock I think uh, this is going to be a big change like I've seen a few revolutions <clears throat> in the tech business uh, one was the um, what do you call the the shift to SaaS and then now the the shift you know to crypto and then the cybersecurity revolution I remember early days right you even asked 
for more budget to build security into people's application and the the CFO would just shoot you down. And today it's just for granted that, you know, you have a big cybersecurity budget for, you know, for threats of anything coming, you know, any, there's some dark, dark, evil person with lots of money going to hack your system, you know? So I I think in the, after this event, uh, a lot of CTOs will be saying, look, we need for, in-house software and I, I think we're going to see a lot that that big change even required <clears> that you have your code in-house the thing is, I, I, we may even see that the thing is in-house software most of the, the startups I've been to that have had inside code it, it's been an absolute mess to work with like PHP and you know just over complicated things whereas if they're usually cloud then it's just like people are used to what they've done you know and every time someone has a custom custom build docker or all these custom ways of doing things it's an extra thing to learn for the developers and it's and- yeah it's true <laughs> but but again insane why i say it's a mindset like once in a while people are saying well, look we don't even want to some startups don't even have cyber security they don't even have backup they don't even have DevOps. I mean, this was earlier, no. but nowadays you ask them and they are like, they've got this, they even have a chief privacy officer and all that. For real, not really large companies. I think down in, in the future, you're going to have people saying, look, we're going to have a requirement of 50% code in-house and we're going to have to hire consultants in-house skills to make sure that they're good. Because we know that this is a business risk to us. And we need to get it done properly. And I think we're going to see a lot of, look at like some of the Chinese guys, right? I mean, they caught out of the thing that, and it's just crazy, right? You, you suddenly one day you're banned from software. You've got no business, mm-hmm. literally. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Or, you know, you're banned from the Play Store. You are out of business. I don't care how good your software is. I don't care how many uh, software developers you have. You are just closed. Yeah, I mean, this... And, this, and this, I think people are realizing that. This Parler thing, like, I, I'm, in, I'm in touch with some pretty high-level business people that would never believe any conspiracy theories or anything like that. They would actually ridicule me, right? And they do, I, I, I get a good kick in sometimes by, the stuff I've po- by some of the stuff I've posted on LinkedIn, which is good. I mean, my, my mind's open to, to, to being kicked. Uh, but but, but this, this parlor stuff has shocked people, really, really shocked people that really would never be worried about like any far yeah, it, wacky conspiracy stuff, right? That's where uh, I've seen it with cybersecurity, right? A long time ago, like, who's going to hack you? You know, yeah, you know, maybe a bunch of millionaire Russians or something. But shouldn't you at least be out there trying to protect stuff? Shouldn't you at least think about it? And I think this has made them realize, gee, man, we need a strategy. We need some in-house stuff. We need to be reliant. You never know. Like, these guys, they could... it could not even, it might not even be their fault. You might be restricted from using their technology. And that's why a lot of companies, I think will, uh, CTOs, uh, that's why they were sending me emails and stuff because they, they suddenly realized, gee, we, we're overcommitted. And it's shocking. Like, as I said, if you don't, you like, think about your business as a CTO. And if one component stopped using it, for whatever reason, okay? You can do whatever you want. You can run the court. You can do this. You can talk about it in two years' time. You will have no more business. 
regardless of how many million dollars you have in the bank, no matter what, like like Parler, right? Yeah, after this, they're going to have to figure out their servers. They're going to have to figure out how to deliver their their software without the Play Store. Um, and it's it's just, it's just, just so difficult. Yeah, and you don't have a, like, you didn't even have a chance to talk. But you didn't even say, okay, guys, like, uh, what can we do? Can we discuss this? You know, you're just out of, you know, luck. So I think this is, uh, the, the point that you brought, especially moving out of Firebase, I don't know whether you're going to do that, but at least thinking about it is a good step in the right direction. At least, you know, alternative. Yeah, and I'm kind of stuck right now because I've been doing it for six months and like, it's like, it's like, I don't know. I'll never get this thing launched if I don't. I know it's... Know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, you don't have to do it now. As I said, you're not at the top of the list, but... You want to always build that as a backup. It's like a fire escape, right? Yeah, yeah. You hope that you never have to use it, but you've got to have it. Or even better, if it's part of your business. I, I can tell you that we have our own in-house uh, task management system and all that. And uh, during the early stages, it was buggy. It flagged a lot. Clients were wondering. But as I see some of my competitors in terms of the, the prices that they're going on with some of the software and, and the changes in the policies, like you look at WhatsApp, okay? Suddenly on privacy, they change the rules. And if you don't have an alternative, if you didn't think of Telegram or someone didn't build Telegram, you are stuck, mm. right? If they say, we want to use your information, we want to track you, uh, we want to spy on you, what can you do? you got to press that I agree button. So I think companies need to think about it. Maybe even individuals need to think about it. Like I am a big Firefox advocate, right? I don't like this idea of, you know, one big company that owns uh, my browser experience from start to finish. Uh, So these are things that we all have to to work with. It's as important as cybersecurity and uh, probably even more important than cybersecurity. (laughs) You know, so... Uh, I think there will be an evolution. PHP is going to be in that discussion, Python, all the open source stuff. They'll be worried about like, you know, can people actually deny you access to this hosting stuff? You know? Mm -hmm. So even if it's open source, can they actually stop you using it? Can you be sued for using Node.js? I mean, good question. So basically this, this whole thing has been good for your business. Um, right now I think it's still early days for my business. Yeah. Um, I think the, uh, it's more concerning more on a global thing, but later on it might be good. We'll just have to see how the evolution is. Uh, but I remember a lot of consultants are actually working for the big guys as well. I mean, you got probably four Salesforce integrators to one uh, independent consultant, right? So that is, you know, does affect things in a way. I just happen to be much more aware of this risk of the SaaS. It's, it's, it's too much. It's like dining out every day, right? Yeah. It's, it's too much. So you should have a balanced diet. I'm not saying don't do it. That's what I'm telling people. Just It's not about not using it. It's just being balanced about it. Okay, mate. Well, um, anything else you want to share before we finish? Uh, no, I'm just saying uh, really good that you made those posts. Uh, I think we all need to talk about these things. And uh, for some of the um, people who are listening on the podcast, check out my channel on this this issue. 
um yeah you know i think this this will be a um sort of a mini movement uh to actually move um maybe get yourself get your head out of the clouds to something some sort of movement like that <laughs> how do people find you know you? like the uh yeah just look at on youtube you can see i have a channel called lionel the tech lead and okay. uh yeah i talk about about coding i talk about more i, I want to talk more about the higher level stuff not just always about you know beginners of how to write some code and stuff like that i i talk about maybe the strategy why things go wrong things like that you know so yeah uh yeah i think that, that's good well thanks so much it's been a pleasure to talk to you mate yeah, I, I truly enjoyed it. This is, uh, yeah. So have a look at, at the strategies and, uh, yeah, I'm happy to come back anytime. Thanks, Ami. And if you need any Svelte development, you know where to look, right? Yeah, it's an awesome stack, but I uh, haven't uh, found the usage yet because I got Vue.js at the moment. But look, we, uh, I love all this kind of stuff that's coming out there. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, that was um, Lionel. Lionel. Leo. Lionel. Lyle. Yes. Lyle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks for your time, mate. And uh, thanks to everybody else right. for listening. See you guys okay. later. Bye. Bye. Bye.